0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 245 of At Odds with Wrestling.
1: The Lamborghini of wrestling podcasts? Ah, uh, sure. Like, I feel like we used to call ourselves that, and then we backed off because we didn't want to disrespect our brothers on the other shows. Well, you could, as far as I know, you could have more than one Lamborghini. Yeah, different colors, and I'm sure ours would be the fastest one. You know, that goes without saying. But, you know, you can get a red one, you can get a black one, maybe a yellow one.
0: Right. We're the Thursday night Lamborghini. We Need Wrestling uh, is the Friday morning Lamborghini. And Final Wrestling Place is the weekend Lamborghini. Uh, I'm fine with that. You know, Right.
1: All right. Are you enjoying this weather? Because me, I love it because they are finally terraforming the northeast part of the country to make it so that I can just go outside and breathe comfortably. I love it.
0: Terraforming. Isn't that like the plot point of the Snyderverse
1: DC Universe movies? No, those are
0: terrible
1: movies. Oh, gotcha. Terror part comes. But uh, people are saying they're having trouble breathing. I'm like, this is like my garage on a normal day.
0: (laughs) Uh, I will say, um, I sadly, you know, our car, the car, the car that I wrecked, is in to get repaired this week, so we are down to one car. So I am limited in how much I'm leaving the house. But when it was a nice yellow hue <laughs> yesterday, yeah, um, I stayed inside. And then this morning, as we record this Thursday. Uh, it was not yellow out, but it wasn't so bad. But, you know, listen, I just wore a mask. Remember wearing a mask? Vaguely.
1: Yeah. But I, I did get huge COVID vibes from this because not only are there already people who are saying that that oh, the smoke is not real. You know, yeah. that's just, it's all just a hoax to keep you in line. But I remember when COVID first started, they were like canceling a couple baseball games up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember saying to myself, I'm a like, pfft. Oh, there's a, there's a cold going on up there. Sucks for them. I don't have any Seattle players on my fantasy team. And this this started very similarly, Like where there was a couple games that they were canceling, and I was like, ah, oh, well, hopefully this is just done in a day or two. Mm.
0: Yeah, I saw a bunch of people tweet out that picture. Uh, I have way too many Yankees and Mets fans on my timeline. Well, I uh, agree
1: with half of that statement.
0: <laughs> I saw a lot of people, like, tweeting out that picture of Yankee Stadium, like, with the nice yellow hue to it, you know? Yeah. Um. And I just saw so many people that I know that live in and around the city. And, of course, you know, Kevin Hellions, who listens and calls in, he's, like, way upstate. Um. And just, man, I, I you know, I said it on. Long box heroes and after dark, and everything else like this. Just, you know, hopefully, they're saying it's going to be better by the end of the day on Friday. We shall see. Like I said, it's not yellow outside. We were out tonight and it was okay. Um, so at least our area is cleared up. But I remember seeing like the map of us on Wednesday, and like Scranton was dark red. Mm. And right where like Wilkes Bear and so forth, where I am, was a black dot.
1: Oh, look at you finally getting it worse than Scranton. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, I think because we're in the valley, everything like kind of just dipped down to us anyway. I don't know how air works. I don't know how breathing works. (laughs) These are all things that are above my pay grade. Um, But Adam, you mentioned something and I figured let's get this out of the way up front, um, make things really uncomfortable. How's the uh, soon to be named network football fantasy draft coming along? Ah, uh, we
1: are fully filled up. All eight players are in the league. Thanks for asking.
0: No uh, no room for a ninth? Uh, I guess my invitation got lost in the mail.
1: Well, you know what? Your name was brought up on the porch. Sure. And we agreed that we... We. Would, we. And anybody who tells you otherwise is lying. We agreed <laughs> that...
0: That seems to be going around with him lately.
1: <laughs> that ideally... That we would like to have people who know what football is and, like, know who the players are in the league. Right. And we said that you would make a a beyond reproach commissioner, like, somebody that can help with the selecting of the draft picks. Like, because if I say, oh, hey, I just pulled my name out of a hat and I have the first pick. Yay, what are the odds? Like, people will think that I'm doing a bit. But if you pull names out, that's, like, beyond suspicion. So I think you should still be involved, but Mm. unless you can name like more than three players in the NFL that are currently playing, because you can't be like uh, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Bo Jackson, (laughs) like that. Currently playing. What's that? Currently
0: playing, you said, right? Currently playing. Uh, Tom Brady. Uh, He's retired.
1: Oh, he's, is he though? Oh at this moment he he's like Terry Funk. He might come back, but right this second he's retired. Uh I know Patrick Mahomes. Well that's just because of Marcus. You can't right. not know about Patrick Mahomes. Um I know Ben Roethlisberger is dead. Uh no, Ben will never die, but he is retired. Right. No, I think I, I think that's about the end of it for players. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah. And, of course, people like you that we let into drafts would end up winning the whole thing, and it would just cause everybody to get angry.
0: Now, see, that was my thing was, like, wouldn't it be funny if the person who doesn't know anything about football, me, won the whole thing? Wouldn't that be, like, a funny bit?
1: That's a funny bit to the person who won and people yeah. who are not financially involved in the league. It's not funny to the other seven people in the league. Why only eight people? Uh, well, you want to do it in even numbers. And... Right. You know, you could do 10, you can do 12, so on and so forth. But with fantasy football, like, the sweet spot is anywhere from 8 to maybe 12. I used to do a 14-man league, and it sucked because by the time you're in your fourth round, you're, like, picking up fourth-string wide receivers. So, Gotcha. um, With an eight-person league, uh, we might go two quarterbacks per team. Like, you're starting two QBs every week because you're still – that's 16 QBs, and that still leaves whatever is left, but uh, still hammering out the details with the inner circle on this.
0: Uh, and I'll, listen, I'll just say, I know you said the sweet spot is like 8 to 10. I don't know if he's included, but you said you already have 8. Me and Ed could be 9 and 10. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <and> you're <laughs> you're it, Listen, I'm just throwing it out there.
1: Uh, I will say, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. Let me make sure I have it. It's obviously myself. It's my co-host from Porch Talk, Todd Roker. Uh, Brett and DJ from We Need Wrestling. Tim and Marcus from Final Wrestling Place. Ronald Two Legs, representing The Card Is Going To Change. And DeWiki himself from Hit My Music. Uh, He rounds out the top eight. So I did put to wiki through a vigorous uh like vetting process so i was like all right do you follow football <laughs> you know how, how knowledgeable are you no i'm just kidding but uh those are the eight so it has to be all podcast personalities or of the network or network adjacent
0: gotcha all right all
1: right if, if somebody pulls a hammy and they need an alternate you're first up Mm-hmm. <laughs> i would give my spot to ed Oh, I love Ed, but that's not the right show for him.
0: Ed follows, uh, Ed follows, uh, football. He uh, likes the same team you do, right?
1: Th- I, this is true. But again, uh, I don't know. Ed, call in next week and make your case. Maybe I'll move it to a 10 person league. I can be swayed to change my mind. Ed,
0: call in and just say that while bits aren't funny, winning a lot
1: of money is. <laughs> A Lot of money. It's a $20 buy-in league. Come on now. Listen. <laughs>
0: the day I sneeze at $20. You know what <laughs> I mean?
1: Yeah. Come on. All right. Really big show, Joe. What happened this day? Right. L- yeah, let's get into it. And now
2: odds with Wrestling presents this day in wrestling
0: history. You know things are getting uncomfortable. Where Adam is like, "Let's talk about wrestling instead."
3: <laughs>
1: no, not uncomfortable. We got a Patreon show, and I heard a nasty rumor that there's like 87 phone calls. So,
0: ah, uh, yeah, I got, I don't listen. I know you live this life, but I don't have work tomorrow, so I can sleep in. You know?
1: Oh, I have Grand Theft Auto to play.
0: Right. All right. So on this day in wrestling history, uh 26 years ago. The World Wrestling Entertainment held their King of the Ring pay-per-view from Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, this is the one where Triple H won a year later than he was okay. supposed to win it originally. Uh, if you know that story, vaguely. Do you do
1: you remember the curtain call? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's being punished. I got you. Yes. I thought it was something else.
0: He was he was punished Quote, in unquote, not punished. winning King of the Ring in '96 but he wins it in 97. This is the beginning of his feud program, et cetera, with Mick Foley. And this is the first time that Mick helped get triple H over. He would do it at least one more time in triple H's career.
1: Third time would have been the charm though.
0: Right. Then he really would have been over. Who knows what the heights there would have been for that young upstart Paul Levesque.
1: Yeah. Um, I hope things work out for him though. Yeah. Yeah. It's,
0: you know, on the downswing right now. So, also on this show uh, was Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. They were the tag team champions at the time. And this time in world wrestling entertainment was very much in flux, right? Mm-hmm. Um They would... This originally, King of the Ring 97, was supposed to have Shawn Michaels versus Mr. Hitman with... A member of the Hart Foundation handcuffed at ringside so they couldn't interfere. And then, if Brett lost the match, he could never wrestle in the United States again. Oh, man, that would have been great. Right. And then Brett got injured and they had to throw the Austin thing together. Um, this match, uh, the Austin versus Shawn Michaels match, is not great. Um, these two did not have the best chemistry together for a variety of reasons, um, but you might remember this match where a fan jumps the rail, and let's just say it's like a special needs fan, and Sean handles the situation in a very unlike 1997 Shawn Michaels ma- manner.
1: Uh, how so? I mean, I'm honestly curious about that, because I'm not playing dumb. I don't know uh, okay. what happened there.
0: So it was very clearly someone who, you know, uh, was there, you know, with a handler and they jumped the rail and, you know, under normal circumstances, security would grab the guy. The wrestlers would beat the guy, whatever it is. Sean sees the situation, intercepts the agents, puts his arm around the kid. And I say kid, he was probably like in his like late teens, early 20s. Sean puts his arm around the kid and kind of slowly starts walking him back to his seat and talking to him. Hmm. And it was a very like I said, even at the time, Sean kind of was start like this was pre heel turn. This is pre DX. But Sean kind of had a reputation of being a crybaby, a temper tantrum when things don't go his way. And this very easily could have been a situation where he threw a fit or a tantrum or whatever it was, and he didn't. So as much as I rag on Sean, this is one of those things that always kind of keep me from 1,000% Barry and Sean.
1: He got a a foot back of his chocolate bunny, huh?
0: Yeah, it's a foot that he'll never get rid of, you know? It's, like, (laughs) stored in, like, a box. You know, he'll kind of get beaten on and made fun of, listen to the Patreon show later on tonight um for a variety of things but this is the reason like he'll never fall into like that like phil from chicago young bucks
1: etc sort of category you know yeah put that bunny in the freezer next to the piece of wedding cake exactly uh, but yeah I, like i said this is i was WWE.
0: this is my time you know this is a great era of WWE. but i was hanging in there hoping for the best
1: yeah and like I said, like when we were doing this before, it's it's one year before kind of the peak attitude era, or at least yeah. the, the start of the peak.
0: Well, again, you say one year before the peak attitude era. This day in wrestling history, 1998, 25 years ago. We have our head-to-head Raw versus Nitro. Um, it's a taped Raw, which always, you know, feels a little off. We have a bunch of King of the Ring qualifying matches. Uh, We get Mick returning as Mankind as a heel, aligning himself with Paul Bearer and Kane. Uh, We get D'Lo Brown getting his pectoral muscle torn in his match with Dan Severin.
1: He should get some kind of protection so that doesn't happen again, you know?
0: Or at least to protect it from getting further injured, right? Exactly, yeah. And this is also the episode of Monday Night Raw where there's a ch- a three-way dance tag team match for the tag titles of the New Age Outlaws versus the Disciples of Apocalypse versus Legion of Doom 2000, and Billy pins Road Dog to win and retain the titles.
1: Uh, pin themselves, basically. Yes.
0: Okay. Because this was, again, it was one of those things where Sergeant Slaughter is now a babyface again. We're like, Or, like, a heel. It's unclear, but, like, he made this to try to punish the New Age Outlaws. And they outsmarted Slaughter by just, like, Billy pinned Road Dog or Road Dog pinned Billy, it doesn't matter. Um, And it's like, well, you pinned the champions, but you are the champions, so you keep the titles,
1: right? Yeah, it's some Inception-level stuff.
0: Yeah, and then they implemented the Outlaw Rule specifically in WWE after this saying that you can no longer pin your partner in a three-way dance, triple threat tag team match.
1: Hmm. How long do you think somebody tries this again on WWE TV? Because you know they don't remember that rule, That's so-called rule.
0: I think this is one that's kind of ingrained in the sauce. You can get into storyline stuff, but I think rule stuff, Vince is really big on, kind of uh, holding steadfast and true with, you know? Okay. Now, again, like I said, we're talking about Raw here, of course, and, you know, it's not a very clippable show, unfortunately. Um, But over on Nitro, we have the go-home show for whatever the next pay-per-view is. It feels like there was just a pay-per-view a couple weeks ago, but be that as it may. Um, Goldberg gets his 99th win, defeating Chavo Guerrero Jr. All legitimate. Uh, I definitely think they could... This was, at the time... Once he was at, like, 50 or 75 was when they really started cooking the numbers. Like, in between episodes of Nitro and Thunder, he would go up, like, six wins.
1: Yeah, because they'd be like, oh, he did, like, two matches in Idaho this week and then three matches in Florida. Like, all these shows that didn't actually probably happen.
0: Right, but it was all set up so that he'd get the 99th win here and then he'd get the 100th win at the pay-per-view, right? Yeah. Um, so we have that, the Best of Seven series is continuing, uh, for Chris Benoit and Booker's T. uh, this is the beginning of the build toward, not this pay-per-view, but the next pay-per-view as Dennis Rodman returns to the NWO. Okay. Um, this is also, and sadly we don't get the full promo, it's just an entrance, so it's not as, uh, again, clippable, and that's what we try to do as an audio podcast of sting coming out in the red face paint
1: looking ridiculous i take back everything cool i said about the wolf pack last week after i yeah. saw that clip today
0: oh looks horrible and again i'm glad no one clipped the promo because the promo absolutely sucks
1: well wasn't his fault it was the red face paint
0: mm, definitely wasn't the infidelity and pill addiction <laughs> but again red face paint number one on the list <laughs>
1: that's where it all starts
0: um, but obviously the thing that we've probably been following most closely on this show some 25 years on has been the Jericho stuff, right? Now, I would be remiss, because there is Jericho stuff that does happen on this, this episode of Nitro, but it is out of context if you don't have the clip from the previous episode of Thunder to play with it. So, we're playing a little fast and loose here, and we're playing a clip from Thunder that happened four days prior 25 years ago, Right.
1: Yeah, Joe, I feel it would be irresponsible of us not to play that clip.
0: Right, to play the Nitro clip out of context, we'd all be lost. Exactly. All right, so let's uh, go to Thunder from four days, 25 years ago.
1: All right.
4: Remember what happened Monday? There's a bell. Jericho's ringing the bell. Remember, he went to the Library of Congress and found some sort of (laughs) person that you talked about. This is it. It's over, baby. Your reign of terror your reign of mediocrity is through what i have right here is an nwa wrestling rule book from mm-hmm. 1934 that i found <laughs> in the library of congress
0: held up pretty well the library of congress
4: and right here in chapter 11 section 5 codicil 8 it states it's a little known precedent that's known as the Ed the Strangler Lewis loophole and it says that a champion has the first right of refusal over any challenger Now since I never consented to have you in the match you're not the champion anymore, Dean!
1: Got him there. Lawyered.
4: So Dylan, if your fat butt is back there and you want to make it official, get out here right now! Alright! I'm gonna take care of this myself. Malenko. I command you, by the power of the written law, to do what's right and give me my belt back.
0: Jericho's still wearing the little skirt that he got from Prince Iakea. Looks great.
4: Come on, Dino Machino. Don't desecrate the dead memory of your dead father Uh-oh. even more. The dead do memory. Do what's right and give me my belt back now. Give it to me. Come on, Malenko! Give it to me! Oh to me.
0: duck Give season, him, rabbits! Rabbit
4: right oh, he didn't mean like that. Who could have seen that coming? This is what you call throwing the rule book out the window, I believe. Literally.
1: It's uncalled for.
4: Oh that love this. <laughs> oh, oh my head! Yeah, boy. <laughs> oh my head! I thought Tanay had the only copy of that oh, book. <laughs> i tried to do things right i tried to do things the corporate way all
0: right so again he had the rule book he took it out of the library of congress Mm -hmm.
1: all there now
0: let's see jj Dillon didn't come out so let's see how this uh pans out on nitro
4: ski of own what i have right here in my hands is a registered letter from the head from the owner well pretty much the owner of the entire free world a letter from ted turner himself whoa we need i got it right here i told him about the conspiracy i let him know and this is his reply and i'm gonna get my vindication tonight tonight Me, me, me 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 dear mr jericho mr jericho after reviewing your request regarding a final decision on your grievance with world championship wrestling i have reached the following conclusions firstly let me commend you on your recent performances within wcw your work has been incredible your dedication has been remarkable Tony. and your tenacity has been second to none as a matter of fact i see in you a lot of what made a young southern man into the billionaire media maven he is today You even receive high praise from my lovely wife, Jane, who, incidentally, sends her regards. Wow, Tony, she's such a sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy my summers fishing in your homeland of Canada, as I equally enjoyed watching your father excel in the National Hockey League. So, in regards to your legal search for justice, I have only this to say. This is where it gets good. After reviewing the tapes of the Battle Royal at Slamboree, as well as the subsequent match, I agree that the circumstances leading to your loss were less than by the book. Therefore, Dean Malenko should not be the champion! Yes! Yes! Yes!
1: Finally, justice for Jericho. Should (laughs) not be the champion.
4: Should not be the champ. Ted said so. However, your incessant whining and complaining has <laughs> sickened me. So I must agree with WCW President J.J. Dillon in saying tough luck. The decision stands. Dean Malenko is the undisputed Cruiserweight Champion. Yeah, I can read that too. That's pretty good. As far as your legal precedent goes, this is the WCW... So your little-known codicil will remain unused, undisclosed, and unfortunate, similar to your wrestling career, signed Uncle Ted Turner!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Such great stuff. I used to have all of these on a
1: VHS tape, Adam. In, like, all in order, like, with the wrestling obviously cut out. No, the wrestling was in there, too! No, I just mean, like, Nitro's cut out. It, yeah, it was just one tape of all the Jericho stuff. Oh, good
0: stuff there. That's why I don't get rid of a VCR yet. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I like I said, I, I'm very shortly going to be without a VCR, and I still have, like, a bin of tapes of stuff like this that I've cobbled together, you know, of, like, these original airings of stuff. The quality is probably dog shit, you know? But, man, I would just sit there and watch these, you know? Like, mm. what a life I led.
1: <laughs> Mr. Man of Excitement, you got to figure out how to digitize these things.
0: It's the World Wrestling Entertainment uh, Network, the Peacock, it's not, right?
1: it's not the same.
0: No, it's not. That's correct. It's not the same.
1: Yeah. Oh, right. But this,
0: this Jericho stuff is peak stuff, man. I, I love reliving this.
1: Uh, I, a lot of these things, like, I saw, obviously, all of them live, but so many of them I haven't seen up until this rewatch, and uh, I miss them so much. I miss you, Chris!
0: God, take S- me back. So much of this era of Attitude Era stuff does not hold up in the slightest, mm-hmm. but this Jericho stuff 1 million percent does. Yeah.
1: So a lot more, uh Wacky Triple H out and about today on this day in uh, wrestling history Twitter, and those don't hold up at all either. Uh,
0: So, when it's time to discuss and play um, Triple H being racist, we're going to wait for the big one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. This
0: week was a forgotten one. We're going to play the big one when it's time for the big one, right? Yeah. But we do have one last thing, of course, to cover from this day in wrestling history. and that was from this day in wrestling history in 2006. Let's check in with our good friends Kevin and Alex over at TNA and Paparazzi Productions. Yes.
5: What happened last week? Saban came out. Yep. Into the trap. Fell right into it, huh? Come on, Nash. I've got to prove to everyone I can do this. Oh, you kill me. So here he is. He's in. Bang. Yeah. I want a match. Gee, really? I mean, it took you a couple weeks after I threw you on your bean and beat you up to think about that, huh? Step two. Right to it. Later on today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. sabin has got a match. We're going to scout it. I spy. I spy on that one. And you know what? We're going to make sure that he knows we're there. Last thing, next week. Warm-up match with Saban type star. What do you mean? Can you go out and find me somebody that looks like Saban, wrestles like Saban, he's built like Saban, does his exact moves. (laughs) I mean, a a clone. (laughs) If you get that guy, then I can give you this. Next week.
4: Let's go Nash! Let's go Nash! Let's go Nash!
5: Next week on Impact, only on Spike TV. Only on Spike TV. The X-Division debut of well, Kevin Nash versus an X-Division star. With the star there, Size too. matters on a pole match. My specialty. <laughs> wow. Yeah, everybody's got to My specialty. Have if anybody knows anything about a pole, it's, you know, a size matters pole thing. Whoa. I like the cut of your jib there, Kevin.
0: Whoa. Yeah. Oh, such good stuff. <laughs> those two, those two scamps. Those two lovable scamps. Kevin Nash still uh, fondly looks back on that time. Um, as And then right now in Impact, I think Shelley's going for the world
1: title. Yeah. It's like back then, 2006, they were just a pair of young upstarts hoping to get their first big break. That's and right. It was That's nice right. to see them together, you know, at the same time.
0: And I know next week it's the X Division debut of Kevin Nash, which is a match. But I have a feeling that we're probably going to be playing that next week as well.
1: I look very much forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: So that's really all we got for this Dan wrestling history. Uh, Adam, what would you like to discuss from this last week in the world of professional wrestling?
1: Um, I will start off with, this is something that I talked about how it was set up a couple weeks ago with the Blackjack Battle Royal. But I'm going to talk about the match that opened up Dynamite, and that was Freshly Squeezed, Orange Cassidy defending his international championship against swerve and this match in my eyes was everything that i hoped it would be uh they did a lot of the same spots or at least the same setups for the spots that they did when they were facing off in the rumble or the the battle royal and only this time because they were both like so well prepared for the match there were counters to everything that was successful the last time they faced each other which i thought you know just a good way to build on the story. And I like the fact that when orange Cassidy eventually does lose the belt, you know, years from now, uh, it's going to be because of the culmination of all these injuries. Like he's getting taped up and more and more bandaged every single week and more and more of his moves can't be done or he can't hook this arm, can't hook this leg because of the culmination of all the abuse he's taken by being such a fighting champion. And like every week you uh, that he defends this, you're like, is this going to be the match where he finally does lose it and you can't blame him because he's just been a beaten man defending it way too much. And I thought for a second that this could have been a scenario where they could have did it. Uh, and I would have been fine with it uh, because I do like Swerve. But overall, I thought it was a really fun match. And I hope they wrestle again. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, like this match, did not love this match. I bit on, like, almost all of the false finishes at the end because so many people online were so convinced that Swerve was winning the belt, and I knew he wasn't winning the belt this time. But the way that this match was kind of put together and laid out, especially the beginning of the match, it definitely feels as though they weren't giving everything away up front because, obviously, we have the eight-man next week. I wouldn't be surprised if Swerve pins OC in the eight-man. And then they're probably going to do a rematch, maybe at a pay-per-view somewhere, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Really liked the match, didn't love the match, was not my favorite match from Dynamite this week. Okay. My favorite match from Dynamite this week was Jungle Boy and Hook taking on Drillistico and Preston Vance.
1: You know, I I will say before you get into your thing, I didn't give two craps about that match until Preston was busted open. And then it seemed like it just went to a different gear.
0: So I had zero expectations, zero care, zero anything about that match. Like all the players in the match are just whatever. They're there. But the fact that it starts off hot, it was chaotic. And I like a like I I like when there's a Texas tornado or a brawl or a no disqualification or a something match like this. And it's a tag match. And so let's get wait, let's get into the thing that I hate. Which is when there's a match like that, Texas Tornado, no rules, no disqualification, no whatever it is, right? Mm. And it's a tag match, and they work it like a regular tag match where there's a guy in the corner waiting for the tag, and there's, like, regular heat segments and stuff like that. It's Texas Tornado. It's no rules. It's no disqualification. You should just come in the ring whenever you want. You shouldn't be sitting there waiting for a tag, right?
1: Yeah, it shouldn't have to devolve to that point, which a lot of times it does, you know? And
0: so many times it does. And this, I think, I saw. I forget who I saw. It was a lot of people mentioning it when um, Jungle Boy or Hook and Vance went and were brawling in the crowd, and Jungle Boy and Drillisco were in the ring. It was shot in a way where they were in the crowd that you could see both sets of guys fighting at the same time
6: mm-hmm.
0: on TV, which I thought was a great way to set that shot up for TV. So it looked cool. It looked different. It felt different. And It was just like chaos, which is how these matches are supposed to be. It felt like a fight because it was so like rough and unpolished and whatever it is about these four characters. And then, of course, as you mentioned, once Vance gets busted open, now we're like in a different gear. Right. And Mm. he bled so much. Preston Vance bled so much. Now, granted, there's TV blood and in-person blood and whatever it is. There was a match during the Shane Douglas Pitbull 2 feud in ECW where Pitbull 2 bled so much, Shane Douglas had as much of Pitbull 2's blood on him as Pitbull 2 had on him,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: if that sentence makes sense. Because there was at least two different times during the course of the match where the commentary could not tell if Hook was busted open because he was covered with so much blood. They couldn't tell, was that his blood or was that Vance's blood? And it was Vance's blood. He hit a gusher, and he's a man who loves the business, and Mm -hmm. he better save that blood for when uh, Brody Lee Jr. is old enough to uh, come (laughs) for his pound of flesh.
1: (laughs) Plus, Hook was wearing white, so smart man, you know?
0: Exactly. Uh, but But that was like, it was, I liked that match the most because I had no expectations, and it completely exceeded what those expectations were.
1: Sure. I mean, I get that understanding. And once again, you know, I am the bigger Orange Cassidy fan on this podcast. So it makes mm. sense that I would I would prefer his match. But um, no, I get it. Like if you take just that last couple of minutes after the chain shot to Preston, I was like, OK, now this business picked up. I, I like the ending of it. Um, not a match, but I will say this could have been a talking point. I am really, really, really looking forward to Okada versus Brian Danielson at Forbidden Door like that was just announced since we last recorded.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, we'll get into that. I'm excited for that. And I'm not excited for Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay.
1: I'm going to be honest with you. I've I've never seen those two wrestle. I guess this is the third match in the series and Kenny's won the other two from my understanding, so it's kind of like a uh, and I I know uh, Brett and DJ are yelling at the podcast that I'm wrong on this, but my understanding is that, like, Osprey just can't get past Kenny, and, like, that's the gimmick to it,
6: uh, but, Yeah,
1: and... I mean, it, it's a definitely a, a, a second place, because Okada Danielson is the one that's the dream match, you know? Yeah,
0: it's it, that, and that's the thing, that's a match that will get me to care about Japanese wrestling. You know, a guy that I like and a guy whose reputation is so big that even someone like me is going to care about that match and know who that person is. You know, that's kind of penetrated, you know, my perceived jingoism in that I only watch American wrestling.
1: Yeah, and I obviously haven't seen nearly as many Okada matches as, I, as I've seen Danielson. You and I are both in agreement that, like, in 2023, Danielson is probably the best American wrestler? Yes, you know, so I think we're on this. We're definitely on the same page there. And the general consensus is that Okada is the best Japanese wrestler. And a lot of people say, oh, he is the best wrestler in the world. This would be a, a not an opportunity to see who the best is, because whatever. It's not a sporting event, but it it's awesome to see them to finally face off. And I hope that both of them are wrapped in bubble wrap until like, what is it? The pay-per-view, the 25th. Yeah. Yeah, so I hope that, like, do not let Danielson get physical. Keep him at the commentary desk. Okada, go on vacation for a couple weeks. I don't want anybody dinged up in this match because I don't want any, uh, I don't want to say excuses, but I, I don't want anything held back. Right,
0: and we talk about this, you know, Forbidden Doors coming out, but, you know, this show, this is the show, you know, there's we mentioned at the top of the show, there's several wrestling shows on the soon to be named network. There's several shows that dabble, if you will, in Japanese wrestling. Uh, but when people want to know what's going on in the world of Japanese wrestling, this is the show that they tune into. Mm. And obviously, the announcement that Eddie Kingston is in the G1 is huge news. I'm Listen, I was joking around on Twitter, but you want me to watch the G1? You put Eddie Kingston in there and I am going to find a way to watch this.
1: Now, are you going to pull a Brett and DJ and be tuning in at like three o'clock in the morning?
0: That I'm not going to do. Oh. I have a job. I, I listen. <laughs> they have jobs too, but like, listen, I my sleep is very precious to me. You know.
1: No, I got gotcha. you. No, I saw that announcement. And that was awesome. Like, I have not. I I don't ask about these things. So if I don't pick it up kind of in my timeline, I don't know. And, you know, obviously I'm like, I hope Eddie's fine, and I'm looking forward to his quick recovery. And when you see him start to get announced yeah. for, like, tournaments and shows and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, all right, cool. We're we're back on schedule. I,
0: I think we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, he's supposed to be cleared to go um, the weekend of Forbidden Door, right? Okay. He's going over to Japan for their July 1st like, their July 4th weekend shows that they're doing as part of New Japan Strong, and then whether he's staying over there, coming back, and then going back the following week, but he's going to be in Japan, like, almost all of July. Um, And again, he's supposed to be cleared in two weeks, so we shall see. You know, he, he said he's feeling good, Um, and obviously they wouldn't be announcing him for stuff if he wasn't, like, ready to go, you know?
1: Yeah. And, I mean, I hope if he is in Japan for all that time, I hope he makes... Uh Roman has scheduled to go to England and beat Claudio for the Ring of Honor title in Wembley. <laughs>
0: well, that's August. That's that's oh, all the way I
1: over. There. That was the end of July. Okay. No, I think it's August. Yeah, what do I know? But, look at the, uh, <laughs> uh, I know you sent out an email that has those dates in it, but you know. It, yeah, the is, all
0: <laughs> in London events at Wembley are at the end of August.
1: Oh, perfect. He can uh he can have some fun in Japan, win some trophies, win the G one. Whatever it is that you get when you win the G1, I've probably a shot at the, I don't know, the belt. <laughs> prestige, let's say prestige. <laughs> oh, prestige! Yes, we're both Japanese wrestling experts. But yes, yes. let him do that in July. Come home, set up the build up to the winning of the title, the Ring of Honor title.
0: I'd be okay with all of these things.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is the, you know what? This is the summer of uh summer of Eddie Kingston. He's got a new fig coming out. Everything's working out.
0: Fingers crossed, baby. Fingers crossed. Yeah. What else what do you I'm... got? Cause I got a couple more.
1: Um, well, the only other thing I was going to talk about, and we can just slip it in here. If that's cool with you is I watched the dark side of the ring for Magnum Ta.
0: <laughs> Magnum Ta. <laughs> yes.
1: Magnum TA. <gasps> oh, so sorry, let me guys. ask
0: going into this, yeah. what was your knowledge base of Magnum TA? <laughs>
1: Um, I want to say that I knew 95% of the stuff that was in This Dark Side of the Ring. Holy shit. Only because like his rise, and I don't want to say fall, but like his story is just kind of something that was always talked about in the after mags. And like, I was a heavy reader of all of those when I first started watching wrestling. And I was kind of shocked by the fact that this happened in like 86, you know, mm-hmm. when he got hurt and I felt like it had to have been closer to when I started watching wrestling because I feel like I lived through the Nikolai Volkov babyface turn Nikita and I Koloff, guess,
0: but yes, what'd I say? You said Nikolai Volokov, Nikita, oh, Kolov, Nikita, Nikita Kol- but I get you. I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all, all those Russians look the same. <laughs> um, but, like, so for whatever reason, I thought my timelines were mixed up, and maybe I was just thinking, like, with the Mandela effect, that just because I read about it, that I lived it. But all of the stuff with his his rise and him supposed to be the NWA champ and him basically being crowned and getting injured, uh, I, all that stuff was was... Nothing was new to me. The only thing I didn't know was the Buzz Sawyer story about him charging Magnum $10,000 for a wrestling license. And I was really surprised that halfway through the show or through the episode is when he's in his he gets in his car accident. And then I'm kind of waiting for like the salacious or scandalous thing to drop that I didn't know. And obviously it never did. And it was kind of a story about a guy who... You know, could have been a bigger star and should have been a bigger star and his career was cut off, but it didn't feel like it was a dark side of the ring type of episode because there wasn't something like here's somebody dying. Here's somebody doing drugs. Here's somebody being a crook, you know, something true crime ish, which you kind of usually get a little bit of in, a, in the majority of the other episodes. So they play a little bit of that with the infidelity with
0: the wife.
1: Yeah, but I mean, even that was like, oh, they're on good terms now, or they seem to be, she was good enough to be on the documentary, and she didn't really bury him.
0: Right. And I'll say this, listen, you know, take this for what you will. The fact that he's in the accident, he's considered, you know, possibly a paraplegic. They show him, like, walking to the ring a couple times with a lot of help. And within a month of him getting out of the hospital, he was already cheating on his wife. Um, that's interesting. Now, again, I, I will say I know a lot of this stuff. I knew a lot of this stuff, too, but it's always nice to have these things in like an encapsulated little, you know, whatever. yeah. um i I uh, did not know that Andre was the name that uh, the Andre the giant was the one that came up with the name.
1: Yeah, that's a cool little tidbit.
0: Right. Um, the bit where they talk about him going into Bill's Bill Watts Mid-South and him getting, like, not so much different gimmicks, but different looks. Like, oh, we want you to come out looking like a rock and roll and a little bit more punk or maybe come out wearing a suit or maybe come out wearing this. So I've seen, you know, obviously years and years later, a lot of Magnum TA stuff in Mid-South, but it was after they figured out who he was.
1: Yeah, put him on a bike. Give him a leather jacket.
0: Yeah, and the Buzz Sawyer story I never heard either because there's a more famous Buzz Sawyer ripoff story.
1: Okay, who did he rip off? The Undertaker. Oh, well, that's a good. That's an uplifting story. That's <laughs> on the light side of the ring. <laughs> but that's like one of the, like that's the famous
0: one. Like obviously Magnum becomes a bigger star and probably just as famous. Um... But yeah, so Magnum, like I never saw Magnum like while I was rest- while I was growing up because by the time that I got NWA in our neck of the woods, it was like eighty eight into eighty nine, and he was already in the accident and already like you know just a guy on TV as a host, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, they they really painted him as a way as like a guy that was going to help turn Jim Crockett Promotions and NWA around and against, and I thought they told and again whether it's Real or not, and obviously you could argue that until you're blue in the face, and people who are much more familiar and smarter about this era of pro pro wrestling could probably do a better job of this sort of thing, but they did a really good narrative of painting him, Magnum T.A.'s accident, as the thing that kind of prevented Jim Crockett promotion from being a legitimate threat against the world wrestling entertainment.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that's a bit of a grasp. That's like a huge leap to take, because... If if Magnum TA ended up becoming this huge international superstar top guy, like Vince would have just bought him. You know, Vince got Dusty and you know ruined him, and Vince got Ric Flair, and Vince got everybody he wanted. So if Magnum ended up being a top guy, sure NWA would have made more money in the short term. But it's not like if if we had a time machine and we somehow kept him from getting in that accident, it's not like we'd be tuning into the Crockett Network and watching, you know, their their development NXT, you know, uh versions or anything like that. Like, it would have maybe delayed things or changed things, but to say that Magnum himself would have not only like it would have turned the tides of Hulkamania and like there'd still be these two the big two and it was very uh ambitious of a of a guess.
0: But I, I liked what they tried for, you know? Oh, like, sure. The,
1: yeah. I was very entertained.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like, I, I I can't think of a time I've come out of a Dark Side of the Ring episode where I was like, man, I just wasted an hour. Right. It's never been like that. And, like, I enjoyed it. But it was one of the things where it was more like a WWE documentary, like, that you would buy on DVD. You know, like, a here's, like, kind of the life story type of thing, only without the childhood part. Right. And that, but that that's why i'm saying it just didn't have the feel to it that's my only i'm not nitpicking i'm just more observing
0: yeah and then next week will be interesting as well because of course um it's the graham family um who kind of ruled florida in the 70s and early 80s pre wwe expansion now there is a lot of tragedy there adam Okay. Uh so it'll be very interesting to see how that all goes, and I have no idea who the Talking Heads or anything else like that is, but I know Bill Alfonso was a big player there. Um, he was like a like the main or head referee during most of that time. So I hope Bill Alfonso got a payday on this. Yeah. Um. Speaking of which, okay, and then we'll move off from uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Did you, by any chance? Now, they obviously, when they do the reenactments, a lot of times it's indie guys because they need people to do bumps and whatever it is and, like, look the part of a wrestler or whatever, right? Mm. Did you by any chance recognize who Magnum T.A. was in the reenactments?
1: I did not.
0: Okay. This is going to get you and maybe other people to go back. And listen, I'm pulling back the curtain because they don't put people's names in there. But there were so many shots in there. I'm like, oh, my God. It is so clearly this person, you know? Okay. Um Hot Dog Ronald, Megabyte Ronnie.
1: Oh, former professional wrestler and championship hot dog eater. Okay. That's right. I mean, so, that makes sense, <laughs> you know?
0: He had the look already coming in. They just had to throw <laughs> a different wig. And boy, I'll tell you, the thing I'm most looking forward to on the, on the Graham family one, and we'll get some of the Graham family. We could get some on the Abdullah one. The wig that they use for Dusty in these reenactments (laughs) is the saddest fucking wig
1: I've ever seen in my life.
0: And I've seen every episode of (laughs) Legends of Tomorrow, Adam.
1: Yeah, I figured this is your specialty. You know, if you want to talk about figures or something, I'm your guy. Wigs, that's you. Holy Uh,
0: shit, does it look horrible. I hate it so much. Every time I see it, it makes me mad.
1: (laughs) I hope we get into their cracker company. That's what I'm more concerned about.
0: No, no, stop it! Uh, all right,
1: that's a, something I know absolutely nothing about, so I'll go in cold. All
0: right, I got two more things. Right? Oh, okay. So, um, obviously, the last time World Wrestling Entertainment came to came to town, um, we were it was uh, we were gifted with uh, comp seats, right? Second row, Wilkes Bear, whatever the hell the arena is called, and so forth, right?
1: Yep, only way to go to a WWE show is for free.
0: Right, so uh, it's two weeks before SmackDown this past week, and there's a there's a guy on Twitter who kind of tracks these sort of things. I think it's like WrestleTicks. Uh, give him a follow, you know. Um, you probably see a lot of his stuff get retweeted by other folks as well. Um, and I looked two weeks out, and there was 121 seats left, Right. Mm -hmm. on uh, them at the full capacity of 9,000, right? Mm -hmm. So I go, I don't think we're going to be getting the comps on this one, right? Yeah. And Adam, why did we not get the comps? Was it because they advertised that Roman Reigns was going to be at this SmackDown?
1: Uh -uh. Uh-uh. No, possible, but not likely.
0: Was it because they had announced ahead of time that the dark match main event was going to be Missionary Mike a.k.a. Mike the Miz, taking on Cody Rhodes? Uh Uh-uh! That wasn't the reason why either. Was it because that they knew they were going to see the Ascension, the rocket ship being lit off? People are going to look back, oh, I was there when Stone Cold cut the 316 promo. I was there when so-and-so won the title. The millions...
1: And millions?
0: And millions of people that all claim they were there in Pittsburgh when Mick Foley was thrown off the hell in the cell. Those people, they bought a ticket because it is widely known that Wilkes-Barre is the Hagerstown, Maryland of Pennsylvania. (laughs) They wanted to be there, yeah, to see L.A. Knight win his qualifying match on SmackDown en route to being the money in the bank winner, and he's already made his intentions known, he's looking at Roman, he's looking at Seth, hey, he might even go for Austin Theory, or uh, Gunther, you know what I mean, be that as it may, they couldn't, it wasn't a taped SmackDown, so they couldn't fuck with the audio afterwards, and wilkes Bear was a goddamn LA night town, baby, there was like two different times during the match, where like, uh, uh, uh Montez was on offense, and he was getting booed, and you could see it was, like, affecting him, right?
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I tell you, man, I hope to God, with these reactions that he's getting, I hope to God that World Wrestling Entertainment does not screw up L.A. Night. Yeah.
1: Now, in your eyes... What would constitute screwing him up other than just, like, de-pushing him? Like, if turning him babyface, would that be screwing him up in your eyes? No. Okay. Okay. He's already babyface.
3: Mm. The, the crowd's right, already out.
1: cheering him. Sure, but he's not acting like a baby. He needs to wrestle a match
0: against a heel and win by cheating against a heel okay they can't have him go in there and s- he can't stop doing the things that he's currently doing now that's getting a positive reaction he needs to do the things that he's doing now and getting a positive reaction against a heel
1: yeah you want because, him to be a modern day stone cold
0: well okay you say stone cold i'm an old macho man randy savage Macho Man Randy Savage's babyface turn in 1987 was he just start wrestling heel jobbers on TV.
6: Mm.
0: He did the same exact things, wore the same exact robes, wrestled his matches the same exact ways, caught his promos the same exact ways. It just, by the time that 87 rolled around, there was a definitive line of like, these are your heel jobbers and these are your babyface jobbers. And he stopped wrestling babyface jobbers and started wrestling heel jobbers. And then, like, even, like, for the... Like, Honky Tonk Man... So, Ricky Steamboat beats Macho for the Intercontinental title. Honky Tonk beats Macho Man... Or beats Ricky Steamboat for the Intercontinental title. And there's, like, a good two-month stretch... Where Macho Man is, like, helping Honky Tonk... And teaming with Honky Tonk... In tag matches against Ricky Steamboat and someone else, right? Bruno Mm -hmm. San Martino, Junkyard Dog, whomever, right? Yep. And then just all of a sudden, one week on TV... Macho Man's fighting Babyface, or he's fighting Heel Jobbers, and he's like, I'm coming to get my Intercontinental title back. It's like, okay, well, I guess he's a Babyface now, right? Mm -hmm. They did not change a thing about the presentation. It was just who he was doing those things to. Where Austin was different because he was getting that reaction and then they did the double turn with him and uh, him and Brett even though like Brett was pretty much already heel, Austin was pretty much already babyface, but you have the match on the big stage, the definitive moment where both guys kind of officially switch sides. You can't do that with LA Knight because there's nobody else that I could see them turning like no other babyface that I could see them turning heel. He just needs to do what he's doing to heels. Mhm. I got you. Turn Cody heel, but other than that... he's Cody's already heel in my house, but...
1: <laughs> well, that's I, the thing. C- Cody is somebody who plays a baby face, but is kind of unliked, and LA Knight's somebody who plays a heel and is kind of loved. It's a perfect switch. <sighs>
0: <sighs> Cody is not hated, though. Cody's hated against smart
1: marks like me yeah, and you. No, I, I know. But but, Cody's beloved by the, the it's, kids... It's,
0: it's going to get to a point where Co- that reaction is going to start turning against Cody. It's not there yet. And it's not going to be for a while. And if you put LA Knight in there right now against Cody, it would kill whatever they're building with LA Knight. And it wouldn't help Cody one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but Brucey, give me a call. I got ideas.
1: Yeah. Joe, I'll ask you about this. And I have a feeling that this is something you want to talk about. Are you a fan of Injustice in AEW? What do you mean by
0: Injustice? Like Injustice uh, for all the DC Comics game?
1: No, like maybe corruption and officiating being rewarded with high-profile situations?
0: Well, uh, I I know where you're getting to, and there's only one thing that I could do at this point. (laughs)
1: Joe, I'll let you take this as your account. Alright, so on,
5: on
0: Rampage this past week, there was a pull-apart brawl backstage between Karen Jarrett and Aubrey sure. Edwards who has been just abusing her power as an official, not mm-hmm. once, not twice, but thrice. They She has cost Double J and his tag team partner the AEW tag team titles. And there's nothing Jeff could do about it. Jeff's a gentleman, a Southern gentleman, if you will, he would never lay his hands on a woman, but his lovely wife, Karen, definitely not above that. And of course, now all of a sudden, Aubrey Edwards is going to come in and she's going to cock off to Karen Jarrett like Karen Jarrett wouldn't eat her for lunch. Not like Karen Jarrett has smushed women twice the size of Aubrey Edwards, who's not even a trained wrestler. She's a referee. Bah flimshaw, right? (laughs) Yep. So they teased on Rampage last week that there was going to be some sort of match, some sort of physicality between them. And Adam, did you by any chance get this week's rampage spoiled for you. I have not,
1: but you're okay. free to go ahead and say whatever.
0: I'm not, because I'm not that kind of person. But I had built it up in my head like two weeks ago that it was gonna be Jeff and Karen against Mark Briscoe and Aubrey Edwards. Okay. And
1: that's that's the vibe that I got. You know, that's what I was under the impression of.
0: Somehow they're making that match better
1: impossible
0: and that i'll tell you off air because i don't want it to be spoiled but let's just say it's not over yet not by a long shot this isn't the blow off of the angle i have a feeling we're gonna get a trip back to the farm we're gonna get a lot more juice out of this squeeze that is double j jeff jarrett
1: all right i'm picking up what you're putting down uh this is somehow gonna lead to blood and guts
0: (laughs) oh my god (laughs) <laughs> the, the Briscoe family and Aubrey Edwards against <laughs> Team Jarrett and Karen and Satnam Singh and the whole crew. Oh, my God.
6: <laughs>
0: oh, I, one last thing. Uh, I know Jeff listens, or at least word gets back to Jeff. Uh, there's like two things I got to talk about to up air now. <laughs> um, I, somebody uh, online was nice enough to record one of the house shows from AEW this past weekend. Okay, and I watched uh, Double J and Satnam uh, take on the boys. Um, you know who come? I forget their real names. Boy one and boy two, but they have actual names. I'm not Ian Riccoboni, so I don't remember them right up the top of my head. Um, yeah. Adam, Jeff Jarrett. Yep, they're in Alabama. It's a southern town, right? Mm-hmm. Southern state. How many bumps did Jeff take in this match?
1: Uh, if he's smart, zero. Adam. Mm-hmm. He took four bumps in this match. Okay? Well, he's still smart, but that seems excessive. Go on.
0: That again, one is excessive. <laughs> I gotta put Double J in touch with our good friend the Boar to so they can share some tips about how you're supposed to work these house show matches.
6: <laughs>
1: yeah, the Boar can teach him how not to bump. Jeff can help him get the bag. You know, listen, Boar's already getting the bag. Oh, but not at the Jeff Jarrett level. Come on, uh,
0: listen, Boar'll admit. Jeff Jarrett's a lofty goal. And if a little of that Jeff dust can sprinkle off off of the boar, I think he ain't going to complain cuz that that dust, that that double J dust, it's gold. Not global force gold. No, no, no. Real actual money taken to the bank gold.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite things about this podcast, Joe, is that both you and I were in on the ground floor on both Jeff Jarrett and LA Knight. Just, just supporting them every step of the way. You know, no, neither one of us at all, not in on it. You know, both that's of the us? Best thing about the show. Yeah, both of us. We've always, always been big fans of those two fine gentlemen. mm Hmm. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep.
7: <laughs>
0: you do not see me jumping you. on what you're doing. I'm just saying. <laughs> Oh, you know what? I will say this: uh, the Japanese wrestling thing. Uh, I
1: jumped on that this week for you. Yeah, well, it's all right. I, I've you, as you said on Twitter, I have so many bits; it's hard to manage them all. I got to outsource a couple of them.
0: Right, and I want to mention this. Uh, we were talking about it before, and just to kind of end around because it's in my head, and I would, I would literally die if we did not <laughs> mention this when you talked about the Nikita Koloff thing and the and the the babyface turn. They did it a second time. So in 91, Nikita comes back to WCW early 91 and he runs a program feud with Sting. And then by the end of 91 into 92, he turns babyface and teams up with Sting. They essentially
1: do the same deal. OK, so that makes perfect sense, because that's obviously when I started watching WCW is around the Vader Ron Simmons era of of the run of the champions. So, yeah. OK, that's why I felt like I lived it, you know? Hmm. All right. Well, I'm glad you didn't die. You got to tell me about that. Right.
0: Um, so, hey, we have our homework, of course, which will be over on the Patreon, uh, which is going to be Adam's assignment, which was watching the Marine Six Close Quarters starring Missionary Mike. Mm -hmm. Shawn Michaels, and Becky Lynch.
1: Yeah, and no spoilers, but, man, do they they end on a high note, is all I'm going to say. Like, Mm. what a great ending to the series.
0: Now, um, we will also be doing over there um, our pitch for the Marine 7, and let's just say I had a pitch ready to go, Mm -hmm. and then I watched part six, and I had to completely throw my pitch out.
1: Okay, so obviously we won't get into spoilers here, but I had a pitch, yeah. <laughs> and and I did scrap it because I had some similar elements to Kevin Hellion's this thing, and I'll go no. into it on the Patreon show. But when I did my second version, I did change it drastically based on how the, the movie went.
0: So I'll say this. I'm still going to give you both my pitches. Okay. And I'm going to, because obviously Kevin goes into a lot more detail on his pitch. Um, We're in the same ballpark, but we're playing a different sport. You know what I mean? Let's Mm. say he's playing like uh, AAA ball and I'm playing single A ball, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, But But he calls
0: in, we'll play his call of his pitch on the Patreon show.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. And what is my homework for the following week?
0: So next week, Adam, uh, we are going to be watching the January 25th, 2000 episode of WCW Thunder. Okay. Okay. Now, last time we watched WCW, and again, it's been a while, uh, Sid Vicious had won the World uh, Championship Wrestling Heavyweight title in decisive fashion. Earlier in the night, he defeated one of the Harris brothers, definitely the right one. And then went on to defeat Kevin Nash, who's the commissioner of WCW, in the main event. So I'm absolutely certain going into this episode of Thunder, Sid is the world champion.
1: Uh, Why wouldn't he, you know? So (laughs) we'll see what happens. All right, cool. So that'll be up. uh, Yeah, no no pay-per-views this weekend. So that'll be up next week. Right.
0: And again, I was kicking myself because I wanted to line something up, but it doesn't line up correctly. But we're going to stick with the Thunder stuff for now and uh, I already might be working on what the uh, next thing we're doing after Thunder is.
1: All right. Or
0: this air of WCW. My apologies.
1: Yeah, no, I followed what you're saying. And I I, honestly, with the Marine series coming to an end, I have a very, very long list (laughs) of movies, and it was a lot easier for me when I just followed a numbering system. Even I could follow what comes after Marine 4. Yeah. Uh, But... If any patrons have any suggestions of what they'd like to hear, go ahead and just shoot me a message. You know, maybe you can nudge me towards putting something to the top of the queue.
0: Yeah, and listen, I have no access to the Patreon because that costs extra money. So (laughs) feel free to message Adam without the um, fear that I'm going to see it. You know, I know there's listeners out there that, that like to give you stuff. Um, and you're just like, alright, well, I'll take this person's recommendation, not realizing that you also have to watch a piece of shit as
1: well, <laughs>
6: yeah. so the
1: are ribbing the both of us, you know? Yeah, I don't like that part. Uh, right. That part's just mean. <laughs> but, yeah, so if you're a patron, hit me up.
0: Alright, so let's get into phone calls. How about that?
2: Sure. First call. Hey, Joe. Hey, Adam. This is Brett. Uh, Joe, Congrats on the Between the Sheets episode about the Chikara stuff. Um, Absolutely loved it. I miss Chikara. I miss that era. Um, Adam, congratulations on, you know, not ripping what's left of your hair out with all the Yankees injuries. Uh, Real quick,
5: since Eddie Kingston's
7: in the G1, um, where we have the viewing party? You guys want to come to my house? I'll throw on some coffee. You know, we'll get some breakfast at the diner downstairs. Or, uh, Adam, are you hosting it at your place? Um, I'll just, we'll have a sleepover.
1: See you guys. (laughs) Cheers. Um, I'll take the Yankee stuff at the end. Uh, I I appreciate him giving me an opportunity to uh, talk baseball, but uh, Joe, uh, there it is again. There's obviously demand to have you watch the G1 live or are you a coward? Um, not
0: a coward, but I'm a sleepy boy <laughs> when it gets a little bit closer to the time. And we know what time these shows are going to be on. And we know for sure when Eddie's match is going to be on. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm only going to watch Eddie's matches in the G1. Yeah. Um. You know, we'll, we'll talk when it gets a little bit closer. But right now you're saying like, hey, you want to wake up three o'clock in the morning to watch one wrestling match and then try to go back to bed. The answer is no. But it gets a little <laughs> bit closer. Eh, it might be. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I can commit to having a, like a, a watch along where we like text each other. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that that's good. I ain't driving to no Wilkes-Barre, but you are welcome to come and crash on the couch, Brett. You know, you can watch it here. Uh, plus, I don't want to like drive in and out of Wilkes-Barre at like three o'clock in the morning. That's a sketchy area. Oh, come on. It's a lovely <laughs> area. Um, but I will just say I won't talk too long about baseball. But again, because Brett brought it up, I don't want to disappoint a friend and a listener. Uh, Joe, the Yankees on June 8th, 2023, might be the worst team in the history of professional baseball. <laughs> um, They lost to injury, the heart and soul of New York City, and the face of Major League Baseball. The face? Yes, the face of... And, of course, I am speaking about Harrison Bader. Uh, They also lost Aaron Judge, which is also, I guess, a loss. Uh, The pitching is terrible. All the other players just don't show up. It's really hard to watch. And they're also playing in Gotham City right now with all the freaking chemicals (laughs) (laughs) floating around in the air. Uh, It is not a fun time to be a Yankee fan. And despite what friend of the show Marcus said on a recent episode of his podcast— The World Series is emphatically off.
0: Uh, Listen, I'll say this. Uh, You know, I would have bet money coming into this without even looking at it that the Royals would have the worst record in the league just because they're the Royals. But Mm -hmm. the Athletics have the worst record. So minimally, there's like at least two teams that are worse than the Yankees. And even in their own division, the Blue Jays and the Red Sox are beneath them. So again, they're not the, you know, just. I get where you're coming from. If you're not first, you're last.
1: I get it. Well, that is one way to do it. But here's the thing. I think it is worse if you are a team that has the talent and the money to perform at an elite level and you don't than a team that does not have the talent or the money and just bottoms out. So, like... Did anybody expect the Oakland A's that has the total combined salary of your average Best Buy to compete with everybody else? No. So, like, yes, they have the worst record, but does that make them the worst team? Nah. Like, I think the worst team is the team that is built from head to toe with superstars that just can't get it done. And that's why the Yankees are the worst team.
0: So, I guess what you're saying is, like, dollar for dollar, they're the worst team.
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Mets have a higher payroll, and their record is worse. But again, I mean, nobody really starts a season and expects the Mets to win anything. And uh, I don't know. I just, it's it's just, it's like a funeral watching every game, because you just know that nothing good is going to happen. At least until Harrison Bader and Aaron Judge come back. And then maybe the World Series will be back on. We'll see.
0: All right, and we'll we'll address uh, my appearance on between the sheets in a bit. I, I feel as though there might be a call or two about that. Absolutely. All right, next call. Thanks, Brett. Hey there, Joe and Adam. It is the
8: other JB here. I'm uh, just making sure to call in um, before I go do my workout because um, otherwise I'll forget and I'll be late. And I don't want to uh, turn it into late already. So, um, for this week, um, everyone just loves the business uh, more than I do in my matches. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Um, But aside from that, um, RIP to um, uh, Superstar Billy Graham and the Iron Sheik. Um, And that got me thinking. Um, In lieu of a um, question about match recommendations, um, I would open it up to uh, recommendations for people of... Maybe not everyone's favorite, um, time on the panel, um, you know, pre-90s, um, wrestling of people that are, you know, still around. Um, I know AIW brought in, uh, Abdullah Butcher, Larry Zabisco recently for the continent. And so I would open it up to you guys to, uh, let me know, um, who are some of the, uh, stars that, um, I should be keeping an eye out for and trying to you know, at least even if it's for posterity's sake, prosperity, posterity, posterity, that's it.
6: Mm-hmm.
8: It's probably not, but that's what we're going with. So, is there anyone that y'all would recommend or if there's anyone that you are um, disappointed that you were unable to um, see live and in person um, in whatever capacity that may be?
0: Uh, thank you JB luckily like I said Adam mentioned you're luckily you're good looking and in shape that you go to a gym <laughs> and you don't have to worry about the problems that uh, I have at the very least Adam's a <laughs> slender read of a podcast host you know
1: <laughs> yeah and of course it's like oh I'm JB I go to the gym with my, my fancy gym membership I don't work out in a garage a smoke filled garage that has a bunch of boxes everywhere because I buy too much stuff on eBay look at me full head of hair. Yeah, rub it in, dude, rub it in. <laughs> did you...
0: Unrelated. Did you get a chance to listen to Major Wrestling Figure this week?
1: I'm not a Patreon, so I have to wait until tomorrow.
0: Oh, okay, neither am I, but somehow I get it. I don't know how that works. I don't,
1: it Must be some kind of leak in the system. I, I
0: think so. Um, but Broski laments, he tells a story that um, he went to go do GCW or whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. And his indie wrestling his indie god Indiana Jones hat was in his carry-on and they like misplaced it or it was late or whatever it was but Uh. luckily he had a merch one that he could wear right but you know what else was in that same bag with the Indiana Jones hat
1: what his topics oh no I think you're I was going to say, I did hear last week where he wanted to lose uh, a hair-versus-mask match so that he can get a procedure done.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, he's, loose. he's been slowly losing a hair-versus-hair mask for the last three <laughs> or four years. <laughs> it's him and father time. <laughs> uh, so, Adam,
1: do you have any recommendations, anyone like that, that JB mentioned that he should go check out? Uh, well, he specified pre-1990, and I don't acknowledge that that's a thing, so no.
0: Okay. Um, I will. S- I got two, and uh, obviously we're, we're ribbing JB a little bit about being a good-looking guy and in good shape. Um, Adrian Adonis. I know Adrian Adonis gets a negative rep for the adorable Adrian Adonis thing and, like, whatever that was, you know, toward the end of his career, especially the career in WWF, but, like, look at his earlier stuff. Early 80s stuff, the tag team with Jesse Ventura, um, late 83, 84, where, like, he's the hand-picked guy when there's third opposition, where it's, like, the Texas areas, the Paul Bosch areas, bring in, like, Luthez, and Luthez is like, I'm giving... You know, whoever wins this tournament is not only the world champion, but they're getting, like, my world title belt, you know? Um, mm-hmm. He was just amazing for, like, a guy of his size. And then as he would increase in size, you know, he would just replace, like, what he could do in the ring with, like, being a crazy bump machine. And then on the flip side of it would be Playboy Buddy Rose. And, again, somebody that you probably saw in WWF with the blowaway diet and all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. He and Doug Summers in the AWA had a feud over the tag team titles with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. And this is, like, brand new into the business, Shawn Michaels, like, less than two years. Marty's less than five years. Uh, You know, Summers and Rhodes are the vets they're like the grizzled whatever's and these four men have some of the wildest damnedest matches that if some team today had the physical capabilities to do what these four guys were able to do in 1986 today people would be blown away and say like oh my god this was like the craziest tag team match i've ever seen in my life yes because you don't watch wrestling that happened before 1990 many of you don't watch (laughs) wrestling that happened before 2008 you know
1: yeah yeah Is Doug Summers the guy that hosted Double Dare? No, that's his brother. Oh, okay. I got them confused. All right, cool. Well, hopefully JB appreciates those.
0: Yes. Uh, Next call.
1: Secret
2: HD voicemail hotline time (gasps) for this one, boys. It's Tim. Um, I was just on uh, the Twitter, and I saw some news that was, I don't know if Adam's already talked about it, but I have to bring it up. First, it's Tay Mello, and then it's Alexa Bliss. Bad things happen in threes, man. Billy K, man. It's Billy K. This is my wellness check on Adam. Just making sure everything's okay. Boys, I love you. Love everything you guys do. Go debased. Kiss your homies.
0: Are you okay, Adam?
1: I tried. I tried, Joe. I tried to not let it affect the podcast. I I didn't want it to be another week of, of just why is Adam's life crumbling down around him, but here we are. How? How is it possible that, like, if you said, Adam, who's your top three favorites of, like, recently active female professional wrestlers it would absolutely be these three and all three of them how how like that makes no sense it's a statistical anomaly i uh, fucking somebody protect sky blue i mean like (laughs) let's let's keep the this is there's an epidemic i mean i don't know what is going on and i'm really worried and uh i guess congratulations to her as well but man, man, it has been a rough couple weeks in the old Vansky household, I'll tell you that. So, if not Sky Blue, who's the next one? Call your shot. Uh, the next one that's going to get pregnant? Yes.
0: Uh, who's next on the list? Just to say if it's not those three and it's not Sky
1: Blue, who's five on the list? Uh, well, either Anna J or Tony Storm. Okay. So, so, other JB, you fucking wrap that shit up. <laughs> And Swoggle, you too. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, wait. That's Juice Robinson. He just looks like Swoggle. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. My bad. So, I mean, honestly, at this point, there's – we have to like – there's a scientific investigation that has to go into this, and I'm sure we'll get to the bottom of it soon. But, uh, Tim, thank you for the wellness check. I know you said on – final wrestling place that you will not be coming to lvac and that made me sad so maybe you could slip in somebody's bag and and show up and surprise all of us there you go so thanks for the call
0: thanks for the call next call hello
9: gentlemen kevin here um all right let's let's tell a little story here and then work into the question for the week and see if you guys have some answers um so, uh, I had to talk to, no, that's not good. That's going to sound wrong. Um, I had a, uh, work thing this week and, uh, I had to answer a lot questions in the room, command a room, you know, nothing bad. It was just, you know, like selling myself, presenting myself, you know, seeing if I can get more money along the way here. And I was talking to my dad about it later on and I was saying, you know, the, the funny thing is I swear, wrestling has helped my public speaking skills after stumbling over the phone call of course but to go out there to sell myself to present myself to give a reason to want to pay to see me or pay me more money to see me every day at work i absolutely think paying attention to certain things Uh, there was uh when wwe had their trials in nashville a couple years ago paul hamer was out there like. I'm not going to remember who ran the fastest. I'm not going to remember who did the most sit-ups or push-ups or anything. I'm going to remember who said something that made me feel something. I'm going to remember who said the best things and connected with me as the audience. But, you know, that's an excellent point. So I've always tried to, you know, do things like that. Let me connect with you. I want you to remember me when I leave the room. Things like that. So I'm wondering, gentlemen, is there anything that either you do in your day-to-day life that might have been inspired by wrestling, Uh, a way you conduct yourself, a way you do meetings, a way you do do phone calls, um, a way maybe something with your family or friends or whatever, any way that you go about your day-to-day activities that you feel you learned something through wrestling that made you stronger in that activity. That's my question for the week, and I can't wait to talk about the Marine 6 and Pitch Marine 7. Later on this evening on the Patreon show. Tune in, subscribe, give your
1: money to Joan Adam. Talk to you later, guys. Uh, thank you for the plug at the end there. Um I, I honestly like there's it's hard with watching wrestling for the last like thirty five years or so to to pinpoint one thing, but I feel like wrestling permeates Every conversation, whether you know it or not, you're kind of either quoting something or you're making a reference to it. Even if it's to not a wrestling fan, it's just part of your vocabulary, you know?
0: Yeah, I I think we're. I get where Kevin's coming from and good luck on the new job, promotion, what have you. Um, But absolutely a projection, a confidence, um, you know, how has wrestling affected my life? probably in every aspect that you could possibly think of except for the physical aspect. <laughs> um you know, I'm not cutting promos on people, but as I became a little bit more smart to the business, there was a way to conduct yourself, a way to present yourself, um you know, accentuating the positives and hiding the negatives and listen, by my nature, I'm a negative person especially when it comes to myself. But in a public outward setting, if I'm burying myself before I even get my foot in the door, I ain't getting my foot in the door because I've already cost myself whatever it is that I'm doing, a friendship, uh, you know, a, a date, an anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need to be your own biggest supporter, and that's something that I get and that I got instilled in me from watching so much wrestling in my entire life. Whether it be like the heel or the babyface who does those sort of things, as you know, the, the world kind of uh, evolved uh, for what I saw in wrestling and how I looked at wrestling and so forth. Um, but yeah, just a lot of like confidence stuff. Like whether I have confidence, it's an ex- an attempt to exude confidence that I picked up from wrestling.
1: Yeah, no, I could definitely see that, because, like, obviously, when I dabbled in wrestling at, like, in ages, like, 19 and 20 and stuff like that, like, I, I felt like, oh, like, I, I'm in great shape, I'm a good-looking guy, I've got a beautiful full head of, of blonde hair, like, I, I'm gonna go places, you know? And, like, it instilled, I don't want to say an ego, because I didn't, I don't think I had an ego, but maybe, like an ego that I presented to people like a kayfabe that I was very egotistical and confident. And by pretending to be over the top egotistical and over the top, uh, self-centered, it made it easier to like, talk in front of people in college or like, you know, hold meetings at work because it was like, oh, it's, it's not Adam, uh, up there, you know, cutting a promo. It's, it's the man, Adam van, you know, it's, it's easy. So like, I think that that rolls back all the way to my desire to get into wrestling is just being able to talk better in public. And obviously, uh, you, you can roll your eyes. I did have to start from scratch when I podcasted because for whatever reason it didn't translate, but it did in real life.
0: It took us a while we got there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but the, I was under the impression when he said, like, had to answer questions, uh, I thought he was being cross-examined. I didn't realize it was an uh, interview. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Listen, somebody might have found out that he's on the Council of Greece or something. I had a lot of questions for him, you know. <laughs> uh, the Council of Greece, from what I hear, uh, protects an, uh, the, the anonymity of all of its members. So I hear. Gotcha. So will you hear. All right. Yep. Next call.
0: Hey, guys, it's DeWiki. Um, yeah, I just saw the
8: news uh, about Jessica McKay, and I just want to say, oh, Adam. Oh, poor Adam. <laughs>
0: Thanks. Okay, guys. Talk to you later. All right, so before you remark again, David does call right back. Okay. Yeah
8: sorry, guys, it's wiki again. I also wanted to say that, Joe, I think you did an amazing job on Between the Sheets this week. It was a firecracker of an episode, maybe my favorite ever. Uh, so, you know, good on you. Uh, yeah, just did a great job. Also, I wanted to shout out Kevin Ford. Uh, Kevin, on your phone call last week, I got that you were referencing what Joe says in the intro to the voicemail. So, I thought that was funny. Even if Adam didn't
1: get it. I guess. Nothing would ever go over my head. I would catch it. There you go. Um, you, but I will, go ahead. I was
0: going to say you and Big Dave.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say thank you again for checking in on me. I won't go into it. But let's talk about your appearance on Between the Sheets. I did listen, Joe. Oh, okay. Uh, what did you think? I, I liked it. Like Obviously, I've been hearing a lot of this stuff. Before, whether it be on the old show homework or on our most recent Patreon stuff. Um, but I feel like every time this information is presented by you to somebody different, different information comes out of it from the previous times because of the follow-up questions that people ask, you know what I'm saying? So like, whether it be my dumb questions, not knowing anything that results in you going down one road with the story. And then like, when you're talking about these things to Ian, um, you know, that causes a certain different things. And obviously, um, Zellner, not a big Chikara fan, when he asks follow-up questions, <laughs> and then you and Bix kind of chuckled each other, because you guys know what's going on about it, you know, it causes different versions of the story to come out. So even though a lot of the things you guys talked about, I knew from this podcast, it was all very fresh because of the different eyes it was coming through.
0: Well, I, I appreciate you listening, you know, of course, it's a long show, it's a lot to digest, and you know, we oh. did cover... A lot of it in the build up to us watching that full show a couple months back. You can go find that in the archives.
1: Her, yeah, and and don't get me wrong. No offense to Bix and Zellner. I I turned it off when you got off of the show. (laughs) Well, and listen, I I I
0: get that, and you know, I, I saw a lot of people. Either people that follow me, and it's been my seventh time on the show, and this is what it took to get them to listen to, it, and I completely understand. You know, I bet there's people in my life that I interact with on a daily basis online that have never listened to any of the podcasts that I've been on. This podcast, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, or an appearances anywhere else, just the way that it goes. But this appearance is the one that I've gotten the most public and private feedback from on people and it's overwhelmingly positive and i do greatly appreciate you know everyone taking the time out to listen and to reach out to me and tell me that it was good um you know listen it's i love talking about wrestling i could talk about wrestling all day every day of my life and i typically do um it's nice to do so into a microphone with people that i consider friends whether it be here whether it be you know the other shows in the network when the far and few between times when i've been on there or with chris and uh david of course. Um, But yeah, like I said, it was a good time. I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. You know, I, I always go into a podcast... Um, you know, as as someone who listens to a lot of podcasts in general, and somebody who listens to all the episodes of Between the Sheets, you know, I'm a patron, I was a day one patron, and, um, you know, they don't have many guests on the Patreon shows, it's usually like one big subject, maybe split up as like two or three or four, sometimes depending on how big it is, and I know what a good guest on that show sounds like, and I know what a bad guest on that that show sounds like, and I never want to be a bad guest. I know I can never be the top guest, um, but if I could be lean more toward the Dave Prazak side of things than the lower end side of things, um, for longtime listeners of the of that show, that's really what I shoot for. And, and I always think to myself, I'm like, I listen to enough podcasts, I know how to be entertaining and engaging and move the conversation along on a podcast, even though like I'm diarying in the mouth here, but um yeah like i said thank you very much for listening i'm sure there's probably gonna be another call like i said, I don't screen anything you know if there's another call about the billy k thing or the between the sheets thing mm-hmm. you know i
1: think this is like the meat of it right you know yeah well i mean they're the two biggest news pieces from this past week
0: right <laughs> yeah. that ellie knight karen jarrett me on between the sheets yeah uh and I, I i had people reach out to me um as well saying they want to do like a separate like conrad verse style show about Shakara from my vantage point um i've had people reach out to me that they want like it to be like a like do a print interview with me about all this stuff you know Mm -hmm. so again it's been a lot of positive stuff and listen it's not like i'm trying to avoid the negative i just if there is negative out there i don't search for any of the positive stuff but when they tweet the show out i'm tagged in it So when people are replying to it, it's showing up in my mentions, even though Twitter is like a fucking disaster. And like, I saw none of the replies to any of the Terry Tuesday stuff this past week. Hmm. Like I saw none of them on the browser. And then I had to actually like search them out individually on the phone to see like people replying to different things. Twitter's a mess right now, but it's the only thing we have. No one's ever leaving. You could look at your blue sky pie in the sky. No one's leaving there. That's never going to take over Twitter just the way it is. Get used to it. And I'm trying to.
1: Yeah. And I will just say selfishly, if uh, I, I do see all the people requesting a Joe Sposto, Chikara retrospective podcast, and I will tell those people, patreon.com slash at odds wrestling conversations with Joe, Ian Vaflor, Derek Sabato, maybe more down the road. But there's your conversations right there.
0: And I'll tease this and I'll say that um those two guests have paid dividends for us, I don't see the Patreon numbers. Um, mm. Like I said, I don't have access to it, but I think those guests have also paid dividends for other people as well. Yeah. And I'll just tease that. You could ask, whatever. Uh, next call.
7: Hey, Joe. Hey, Adam. Hey, AdOggs family. This is DJ from We Eat Wrestling and Wings on Wings. Uh, last week, Kevin gave a call and talked about the, the plight of Adam's world with the uh, Alexa Bliss, the sad news about Alexa Bliss, and the sad news about Tay Conti, Tay Guevara, whatever. Uh, and I just wanted to say, Kevin made a comment that everyone sort of groaned at, and I feel he's leaving out uh, an important part of the equation here. Uh, and I'm just calling to, you know, say that uh, on top of what's going to happen to those, those individuals, uh, Let's let's get a conversation going about Ryan Cabrera and Sammy Guevara's uh incoming dad deck. <laughs> Joe, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Take my answer on the show. Bye. <laughs> what?
1: uh, Joe, what's he talking about?
0: <laughs> oh, I was gonna say I'm a fat I was a fat fuck before I had a kid,
1: so I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh Again, I, uh, thank you, everybody, for your reaching out to see how I am. But, I, I yeah, that, that is a hard-hitting question that I just wasn't prepared to ask or hear answered.
0: Yeah. Uh, thanks for the call, <laughs> DJ. <laughs> uh, next call.
6: What's up, dudes? What's happening? It's Kenny. Hope you guys are good. Uh, just want to take this time to formally apologize to one Justin Summers for, uh, not calling in on the final, uh, guest fan, uh, listener feedback show episode of Wrestling Cheers that is, uh, currently out here now. Uh, I should have definitely called and, uh, You know, thank Justin for all his hard work covering AIW for all these years. I, uh, was a long, long time fan of the Ohio Indie Report, which even predates Wrestling Cheers. So anyway, uh, hot business. How about R. Cassidy being the greatest fucking pro wrestler in like the modern age ever of all Mm -hmm. time? Like, seriously, man? Like that Swerve match. That was hot business. See? uh, It's good shit. So, uh... Anyway, I uh, hope you guys are breathing okay. I'm on the shore. I was able to smell some salt today uh, from the beach air, which is nice. But uh hope, uh, hope the valley is going to clear up by next week. I want to be able to uh, breathe clean air while I hang out with all y'all at the socals. Get a wreck, boss.
1: It's going to be. For- uh, oh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, it, it's not really clean air outside of Sokol's. Like, if you're standing by the exit, you know, like, especially during intermission. <laughs> and if the boys from Pod Van Dam, the old Pod Van Dam crew, were there, then it's definitely not clear air. <laughs> we were uh, at the bowling alley today, and I actually
0: ran into uh, Jerry of Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium there. And oh. we're, where we were standing, they have the door open at the side of the bowling alley, the fire exit open, so the yep. people could go outside and smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and my kid was like, oh, they're letting all the smoke in. I just want these smokers and stay outside and not let, it, let the door open, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, Orange Cassidy is the best. And uh, Kenny, I'm glad that you will be at Sokol's that you do not have a gig that day.
1: Yeah, I was I was gonna ask. I'm glad he addressed it on there. I was like every time there's an LVAC show, it's like, did Kenny get booked or not? You know, for something else, and it's always a concern of mine. Exactly. But yeah, haven't seen him in a little bit, so looking forward to it.
0: All right, next
2: call. Hey, at uh, Obsidian Wrestling, this is uh, Mike Dick, formerly of Virtual Pros Podcast, now from uh, just Virtual Pros Twitter. Uh, I don't like calling these voicemail things. I, I stop, stammer. See, I'm doing it already. I just hate, hate the voicemail. More comfortable with the mic in my hand. But I had an airing of grievances, and I, I, I figured out this is the most perfect place and time to do it it's on the <laughs> voicemail line, because uh, this week, actually today, I just listened to the, uh, the Joe guest appearance on Between the Sheets podcast, which is a podcast I usually only listen to about once or twice a year when my good friend Dr. Keith is on it and I listen to his segment and immediately turn it off. It's, uh, it's not a podcast I like. I won't go into why. It's just, I mean, outside of it being fucking six hours long, that's, <laughs> that should just be obvious. <laughs> like no one should like a podcast that's six hours long, but, um, <laughs> outside of that, there's just, it's not for me. I would probably rather just go to jury duty every week than listen to it. But what I notice about it every time I listen to it when a friend is on is that. Uh, these guys, Vix and the other guy, they make they make a good amount of money on Patreon, and I don't I don't really care how much people make. But what bothers me about it is that their audio quality fucking sucks. Like Vix is okay, Vix is passable. He sounds like you he has like state of the art audio for like 2008 podcasts, and uh, the other guy though sounds like he's doing the the tin can and string gimmick that like old timey children did. And uh, I, I just don't know where this money's going. Like, I don't know why you would need to even subscribe to a Patreon of a six-hour podcast, but people do it. And I'm hoping, I know you guys have, like, a lot of crossover fans. And I'm sure that means you have, like, a lot of crossover people actually subscribe to this Patreon. And I want you guys to take a stand and just be like, hey, man, why don't you put some of this money that you're making off of us, these thousands of dollars you're making off of us, in your actual fucking production? Put, like, a 100 or $200 aside and buy any microphone from the last five years. It doesn't even have to be a great microphone, just any microphone from the last five years, and it'll be better what they have now. I understand that when you upload six-hour podcasts, you have to do it at a lower bit rate, because, uh, or else it's gonna be like a three gig download, and so I understand some of the audio quality loss there, but there's no excuse for this. If you're making thousands of dollars in Patreon money, what's that Patreon money for, if not to put back in your podcast? If not for your lavish lifestyles, I'm gonna assume you don't have them, so, Please, 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 just uh, if you are a uh, between the sheath listener, put your foot down and say, hey, I want better audio quality. This is bullshit. I'm taking my Patreon money back. And that goes for you too, Joe, because I know you're a Patreon subscriber. Just put your fucking foot down. Okay, goodbye.
0: <laughs> Thank well, you for your call, Mike. Uh, again, I, am a fa- I miss Mike's podcast. Mike is a great follow. Uh, on Twitter, and I have his um, compilation of odd things that Dave Meltzer has said on Wrestling Observer, uh, ready to load up as soon as we're done uh, recording here tonight. You know? (laughs) Um,
1: And I'll just say I I can't speak for anybody's lavish lifestyle. I know that my cut of the fucking Patreon money, uh, that all goes towards a lavish lifestyle. (laughs) That's true.
0: (laughs) Um, So... (laughs) So I get where Mike is coming from, okay? Um, Mm -hmm. And I thank Mike for not shitting all over the quality of our show, right? Well, Um, that would be impossible. I do my best to make the show sound as good as possible for a show that's recorded over Skype. Um, You know, and he said a microphone that's been within the last five years. I think Adams has been within the last five years. Mayan's been with in the last 10 years, right? So I am definitely due for a new microphone. I'm long overdue for a new microphone, but baby steps, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say, and listen, I'm a fan of Between the Sheets, I mentioned before. Um, I've just come to accept and be used to the low and bad audio quality on their show. Um, You know, there are shows that have much higher and better production values than they do um but i've just kind of accepted like okay this is i gotta turn it up a little bit more and you know sometimes chris is a little bit lower in one channel and sometimes their guesses is a little bit higher in the other channel whatever it is just the way that things go Mm -hmm. i've come to accept it and I i think it's because i know the guys and i let it slide if it was any other podcast i'd probably be like fuck this i'm done i'm out i can't deal with it but you know i'm however many hundreds of episodes
1: in so uh i think i'm just used to it yeah, and I just uh, I just looked up their Patreon numbers, because mm-hmm. some people let that be visible, uh, and uh, buy a fucking mic. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it until I looked that up, so... All
5: right.
1: Anyways. I know hey. at least one person from that show
0: uh, Listen, so maybe. We'll see.
6: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you for your call, Mike. Bring Virtual Pros back already, God damn it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, last calls, plural, pink button time. It's young Ed.
3: Hey, Joan, and Adam, it's Ed. Um, I just wanted to call in and give you uh, guys an update on Colossal since I talked about it last week. I kind of went well, uh, you know, good turnout for uh, Thursday at 1 a.m., and everybody seems to enjoy themselves. Uh, but I wanted to talk about that other wrestling panel that I said, what do you guys think it'll be? Because it ended up being uh, anime tropes and wrestling, which is fine. Um, but listen to this shit. So I'm watching this guy's panel, right? And he uh, shows a GIF of Christy Joseph and Sandman from WWE CW where Christian Joseph's uh, jerking off Sandman's cane, right? And Sandman's spitting the the beer all over. And he says, fun fact, both of these guys turned out to be giant uh, alt-right trans folks. Mm -hmm. And I said, very loudly, what? And he said, yeah, they both. And I go, no, not, not Sandman. And he's like, oh, I hate to break it to you, but yeah, Sandman is. And so I spent, like, the next half hour trying to find any proof of this, and I fucking couldn't. I think this guy just fucking made it up, right? that pissed me off. And then he shows, like, clips of Uber finishers, right? So he shows the burning hammer, and this is a direct quote. He goes, I think that guy's name is Kenta Kobashi, and I'm fucking done at this point. I'm fucking so done. Uh, because how do you include a GIF of a thing you don't even know what the fuck you're talking about in your panel? And it turned out pretty easy. He just does it. Uh, because then <laughs> they go to the, um, enemies, uh, are now friends trope, like, you know, uh, Goku and Vegeta. But the, the example he uses is Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And first the motherfucker breaks kayfabe by showing El Generico clips. he be like, that's him under the mask, that's him under the mask. Fuck you. Fuck, him. fuck you forever. Uh, and then... He said they made him in WrestleMania against the longest training tag team champions in wrestling history, the Usos. That is a fucking lie. That's not fucking true. I I was so fucking mad. I, he just got so much wrong. He just got so much wrong. He got so much wrong. Mm-hmm. Fucking sucked. Uh, but it was a fun panel. I don't know. you <laughs> are not like a, a dork like me. He's really lucky that I wasn't drinking at this convention because if drunk me would have been yelling things out, I would have um actually that motherfucker so many times. But, I don't know, stoned me, just sat back and just said to my friend Madison that he was getting wrong. i was like, sure, the stand probably is not, you know, I probably. But there's no proof of that. Why would he fucking say that? What a the weird... I, that's rude to hack, and I don't fucking enjoy it. I don't know. Hey, okay, buddy! <laughs> uh, uh, sure. <laughs> I don't well, know.
0: Well, Ed, I'm glad by default you had the best wrestling panel at ColossalCon. Con. Yeah. And you showed a man <laughs> getting firecrackers lit in his ass. But you probably knew the names of all the people with firecrackers in their ass, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Now... To say Krista Joseph one hundred percent is a transphobe, right wing scumbag one hundred percent million you know man, there's there's so much proof out there even so much as when the clip that Ed was talking about started like making the rounds yet again the right wing scumbag website that he was on as a contributor took all mentions of him off their website so no one would be able to Google that and find him affiliated with them right. And this is like the big,
1: big guy who would wear a thong and yeah, fat oily,
0: fat oily guy. Yeah,
1: yeah, I didn't know him by a shoot name. All right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now Sandman, on the other hand, Sandman probably conservative. Sure. Uh, Is did Sandman probably vote for Trump? Probably at least once. Um, (laughs) Does Sandman like flagrantly flaunt this information? Absolutely not. Same could be said for. A lot of late 50 to early 60-year-old white men that had money at some point in their life, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. We don't sit here and talk about the likes on Jerry Lynn's Twitter. We all just <laughs> remember, you know, Jerry Lynn critiquing Xavier for buying his music at Walmart and not relapse.com, you know? Um, we all choose what we want to believe when it comes to our favorites, and, Hacky's a good guy, and... I don't think he puts his politics out there, but to go as far to say in a public setting that someone is a racist, homophobic, transphobe with zero proof is uh, irresponsible, I'd say.
1: Yeah, throw him in front of the board of Colossal Con directors. That's yeah.
0: What
1: you know, get him out of there.
0: Go to the <laughs> Library of Congress. Get the Colossal <laughs> Con uh, rule book from 1934.
1: Exactly. Right. Send a letter to Mr. ColossalCon.
0: That's right. And Ed does call back one more time.
1: All right, this one I think I know what's going on.
3: Hey, Joan Adam at Ed. One last thing. Hey, Adam, uh, I saw the Billy Kane news, and I just want to say once again, let's make some fucking money. What are we doing? And number two, never look at twice. Never think about twice. I don't want you to fucking know twice exists. Um, Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Don't look at them.
1: You're not allowed to look at them ever. Uh, Okay, bye. See, here's the thing. Ed keeps saying that I need to make money off of this, this special ability, this magic power that I have. And he wants a cut of it, but he's not offering any suggestions on how I monetize it. So, like, Ed, you're an idea guy. Throw a bunch of things at the wall. We'll see what sticks. All right. We'll start looking at twice.
0: Right. So Ed just gave me an idea hey ed i'm gonna start looking at twice unless you give me 20 bucks (laughs) you use it you you see the people who like oh so and so is liking this person and so this person's really obsessed with this person or this person's really obsessed with this person and then you come with the receipts and say listen i like this person they got pregnant i like this person they got pregnant i like this person they got pregnant you want me to do the same to the girl you like let's uh let's uh get some money here you ain't gonna get any money from the women but i think yeah. there's um let's call like them per- simps <laughs> that you might be able to get some money out of so unless like you find out that they're into like pregnancy porn and uh, then that's a whole other thing where you can now be like hey you like that i going to look at the girl and nine months from now you're gonna hit the mother load with pictures right
1: yeah Th- you're basically having me run a protection racket it's like oh right. uh, Got a nice body there. Be ashamed if something happened to it. Is basically what you're telling me to do. You know?
0: Yeah, you're like you're like jerking off to this girl's feet, huh? <laughs> what if they were <laughs> swollen because she was pregnant,
1: huh? If you ever want to see this girl in a bikini again, give me twenty dollars. <laughs> There's a
0: thousand. These are all good ideas, you know?
1: Yeah. And Ed, if you don't want me to go down this road, come up with a better idea and get back to me. Otherwise, uh, how many members are in twice? Because I feel like it's $20 per head. I think there's five members of twice, I'm guessing. All right. Yeah. So right there, that's like a premium. I'll give them a bulk discount, you know, maybe buy four, get one free.
0: That (laughs) is very magnanimous of you, Adam. (laughs)
1: No problem. But yeah, Ed, if you have a better idea, let me know. Otherwise, this is the plan.
0: All right. So thank you very much for hanging in there with us for an extra long, uh, phone call segment. Of course, um, we'll rush through the plugs as quick as I can. Jerry's internet wrestling emporium. I'm saying it because I saw Jerry today use the promo code at odds, uh, new subscribers, uh, let's Jerry know that you came to him from us. Uh, our T public store, the sale is going on as we currently speak up until Sunday. 35% off a bunch of at-odds inspired designs, soon-to-be-named network-inspired designs, on everything from shirts to cell phone covers to notebooks and everything in between. Uh, Also, uh, you can make any of your eBay purchases from our eBay affiliate link. When you click on links to various merchants on the site and make a purchase, that can result in the site earning a commission. Affiliate programs and affiliations include, but are not limited to, the eBay Partner network
1: yeah and
0: uh that's that's what i got there
1: yeah uh, nothing t public i did say the t public
0: thing 35 oh. 35 uh, off shirts and notebooks gotcha. and yeah yeah yeah
1: I, I was actually taking notes on something but uh mm. speaking of things you should take notes on these podcasts and those podcasts are long box heroes long box heroes after dark final wrestling place we need wrestling porch talk Viewer's Choice, Indie Wrestling Guide, Wings on Wings, and Hiya, Boosie. But I think that's it for the main show, Joe. All right. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the hundred-dollar will be bought (laughs) hmm i don't know sounds on rhythm to me joe did you buy anything this week no. Um, caveat, though, one of my purchases
0: from last week, the Blu-ray player, got delayed. It was supposed uh, to be here on Tuesday, and on Monday I got an email that said it would be delayed to an indeterminate amount of time. The last day, the last time I purchased something from Amazon that the shipping date got changed or delayed, they ended up canceling the order altogether. Um, I thought I was going to have to buy another one, but while we were recording, I got an email that said that it's out for delivery and it'll be here by
1: Saturday. Okay, there you go. Um, I was is was it just a matter of not leaving the house while you went through Amazon because we do have a blood feud with them. You know, there's other places you could have physically went to and got a Blu-ray player, right? Yeah. Or was it just massively cheaper? Or... Massively cheaper. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, not a purchase, but I mean, normally I only talk about me being selfish and buying things for myself. But uh, a couple weeks ago, my mom wanted a patio chair. From Amazon and it was like one of those that you can like lay out and like, you know, adjust the back so you can lay flat or you can be sitting up, whatever. So I bought that on Amazon. It arrived a couple days ago and the box weighed like I can lift it up with like one hand. Like and I'm like, this is way too small for what I paid for. So long story short, I opened it up and it's super tiny and the pictures are deceiving and it's clearly like something made from China, not suitable for anybody of significant size. So I went to return it, just thinking I was going to go to Kohl's, Uh, but it was like, no, contact the seller, they'll send you a a shipping label. I'm like, oh man, it's going to be one of those. i got to find a printer. Who has a printer? You know? I have a printer. Um, uh, What's that?
0: I have a printer.
1: Well, of course. You also have a CRT computer monitor. (laughs) I did up (laughs) until last week. (laughs) But Uh, Long story short, I've been going back and forth with this seller who absolutely refuses to return this thing. They're insisting that there was nothing deceitful about the listing, that I got exactly what I paid for, yada, yada, yada. And this is just something that was like sold by so-and-so but shipped by Amazon. And I'm like, I can't fucking return this. And I'm an Amazon Prime member. So I had to actually reach out to like real Amazon customer service. And, like, give yeah. them all the receipts. I and mean, be like, why am I getting jerked around here? It's a, it's a fucking Amazon purchase. But I say this story because, yet again, fuck Amazon. Take a right. Click through. <laughs> did you purchase anything else? I, I did buy a w- couple things. Uh, not a lot. And I will be relatively quick. Mattel Creations put up on their website uh, for a pre-order a couple days ago. Uh, in the Masterverse line, the, the Masters in the Universe Masterverse, uh, you may know their star, CPA. Um, but there was a figure that is a Mattel Creations exclusive, and it's called Vicron. Did you see this like, on Paternity or anything like that, Joe? N- no. It is a figure that is based on the concept art that was used to pitch the original figure line.
6: Oh, so it's okay. It's kind of
1: like a prototype He-Man. That, like, the the original pitch of the figure was, like, a barbarian that also had, like, a robot, like, suit that you can snap on him, but also had, like, monster stuff that you can snap on it. And they used that art to go and pitch to Mattel or whoever made the initial line, hey, this is the line of figures that we want to make. And they ended up picking the barbarian character from that trio of characters. But Mattel Creations basically made one figure that comes with all the different costumes and it represents that concept pitch. So just something like a kid of the 80s that like, like T-Man, I figured, oh, I need that, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, I've seen the documentaries and
0: stuff where, you know, those prototypes essentially were like, what do we have laying around in the bin that we could cobble together to get the idea of what we want to make?
1: Exactly. So and they if,
0: made, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the fact that they made an actual version of that is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Cause I just saw like on uh might've been like the toys that made us or the one that's on Netflix. One of those two, um, you know, they talked about the story, so it, it resonated with me. So I picked that up. Uh, one other thing I bought and actually this is the last thing I bought. The other thing I want to talk about is a potential buy, but I realized that my CGC a day, is quickly dwindling down on twitter um i'm looking behind me i have one two three four five books left and then we're done joe and wouldn't it be isn't it perfect that i had an ebay alert go off for something and i ordered it and it's actually going to be here tomorrow so i could add a sixth book in another day to me posting a different cgc book every day I bought the 1 in 50 Joe Casada variant cover to the Sword of Azrael uh, miniseries, the first issue of the Sword of Azrael miniseries that came out a couple months ago, or closer to a year now, actually.
0: I was going to ask before you even said anything, is if it's an Azrael book, I don't want to hear it, but I just assumed <laughs> it's going to be an Azrael book, yeah. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Um, this is actually something that... like. All right, it's an Azrael book, I gotta buy it. It's a Joe a cover on an Azrael book, I gotta buy it. It's a CGC, I gotta buy it. But there's not a lot of copies of this. I was talking to our retailer because most comic shops didn't want 50 copies of this book. So like your big shops like your Midtown, whatever, Mile High, they obviously got copies of this. But this isn't like a Batman book or like a Superman book. It's it's a it's a it was a shitty Azrael <laughs> miniseries. And I've said I've gone on record before that it's probably one of the worst things I've read in years. But I needed the Quesada variant cover. Uh, So what I'm getting at is there's not a lot of these books in existence. And graded in 9.8, even fewer still. uh, There's actually only four in the census for this grade. So it took a while for one to pop up. One showed up on eBay. And it was actually a good price. And I said to myself... That's a good price. I will probably buy it for that price. But let me click watch and try to show some restraint and wait. And literally like a half an hour later, the guy sent me a best offer that was like even better. Oh, shit. I got to jump on it. Like that sucker doesn't realize that I've had the shakes (laughs) for the last two hours to not buy it at the listed price. Uh, So I was able to get that deal
0: that's the thing always watch an item on ebay if it gives you the uh, option of course even if there's not a best uh or make offer thing if you watch it and it goes you know the the seller will automatically send you something as adam mentioned you know i've gotten a lot of things at less of a price uh than what i was willing to pay because of that very thing so i'm glad it worked out for you um even though it is an asriel book but again of course you said it was a shitty asriel book which goes without saying (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well there's there's really good shitty asriel books but then there's really bad ones and this is the one the bad ones so gotcha but those are actually the only two things i bought so a figure and a comic book which by all like ways of measuring things is a really really light week for me uh and i'm doing the math now not a single wrestling figure so i guess the the pills are working but <laughs> it-
0: but. Yes, again, with the number of major bendies and major everything else that was announced uh over this past weekend with them doing the MW uh, the FWF live show. Uh I'm surprised that you didn't come on here. And I know did Broski uh I know he said that we talked about it before, that he retired the Indiana
1: Jones inspired indie god gear because it got all fucked up. Uh I I remember him saying seeing him say that, but I, I guarantee you he just has another set made and tweaks something so he can do a different thing. But right. I did not pre-order any of the referee bendies. I don't need a knick bendy. How about you, Joe? No, you don't need a knick bendy. Nah, not yet. I'll wait till there's a sale. Um, but I do have one thing that I want to bring up, just because I've mentioned this a couple times on the podcast, and I'm sorry, Joe. It is Azrael related. But of I need to I need to talk this into existence and try to get some help on this. If you remember, probably more than a year ago, I mentioned that there were the Funko Pop NFT series where you would buy a pack of digital cards and very randomly inserted were redemption cards that would get you a, uh, an actual physical pop. Do you I know You mentioned that? Transformer ones, right? Ex- yeah, there were Transformers ones. Uh, there's been many different genres and, and series and whatnot, but they did uh, an Azrael Batman one. And it's like the full on Knight's End, like armored Batman with like the metal cape and all that shit. So it's like full on off the rails Batman. Uh, and they did that. It went on sale as like a or you had the ability to pull it from the packs over a year ago. And I said this on the, on the podcast before, but there were a thousand available in the packs, and about and seven hundred and sixty-one of them were redeemed for a physical pop. And Funko claims that only the seven hundred and sixty-one of them are actually gonna be made. I don't know. Let's just say somewhere between there and a thousand. So it's a rare pop, but I am the Michael Jordan of Azrael Figure Collecting, and I need it. What you know, wouldn't you agree? Uh yes, you do. I need it. So uh Again, that was a year ago. I didn't mess with no NFTs. I was like, I'll just wait until somebody has them in their hand and I'll buy one. Um, month or two ago, Funko says, hey, we're going to start shipping these out. A bunch of sellers on eBay are like, hey, buy my pre-order." I said, no, no, no. I want to see it in somebody's hands because I don't want to buy one and then get a crushed or a damaged one or whatever. Right, a funky box, whatever. Exactly. So, Joe, they started arriving in people's hands this week. And uh, probably about uh, – I'll get into it. A good amount of them have shown up on eBay already. But the first day or two, two of them popped up on eBay in the 250 to $300 price range. And I looked at that and I said, ha! Huh, Fucking suckers. Yeah, I'll wait. I'm not paying $300 for a fucking pop. Like, what kind of idiot would jump on the price right away and pay top dollar? So I didn't even click like on or watch on those, Joe, because I knew something better would come along. A couple days later, a couple more of them pop up on eBay. And uh, these are three to $400, $450. And I look, those ones that were in the $250, $300 price range, they're sold. They're gone. Apparently, they didn't last. So I was like, all right, let me watch these ones in the $300, $400 price range. Put them on my watch list. They're gone. Sold instantly. People start putting them up for five, six, seven hundred dollars $700, and Joe, they're selling. Not for the seven, but in the $500 price range. They're selling briskly. And I said to myself, motherfucker, I should have paid the $250 and just been done with it. I don't know if they're going to come back down. But uh, yeah, so that's what I wanted to get at, is that I have a... A, I need a job. <laughs> uh, that's no, I would say that's number one. Yeah, and only because, not because of rent or, or utilities or food, but because I need to buy a four to $500 Azrael Funko Pop, Joe. Unless you tell me a compelling reason why I don't need to spend $500 on an Azrael Funko Pop.
0: I say... Sell all the other stuff. What other stuff? Get rid of all the other Azrael stuff.
1: No, if because then I would need that. Oh, you're if saying you, if I can't have everything, I should have nothing.
0: Exactly.
6: Ah,
1: oh, that that's that's just you being spiteful. That's not a logical <laughs> road to that's go That's not logical.
0: Paying no, five hundred
1: dollars for a Funko Pop is though but it's it's a funko pop they only made 761 of
0: allegedly
1: okay we'll say 1000 it's like a broski purple leather jacket you don't really know how many there are you just got to take faith and the number is true
0: so uh, the number has to trend down here eventually if you could wait i feel as though
1: You could probably uh, do you want to pay two hundred fifty dollars for one? Well, no, I mean, I would pay I want to pay a hundred bucks for one. I'll be honest with you. My initial thought when this was announced is I was mentally preparing for about one hundred and fifty because that's kind of sort of what some of the other. I'll just say it. Some of the other less desirable, less household characters have gone for, you know, it's not main batman it's not you know uh captain america it's a it's a d-list version of a d-list era of a character you know even though he is the superior batman but people don't see it that way so i i kind of just based on other sales that like 150 should have done it you know would i make the case to jump on one for 200 if i known you know sure but I think it's only worth 150 to 200 bucks. We are close to the 30th anniversary of that. Which is another concern, yeah.
0: Okay. I feel as though you're going to see the prices spike over the next two months, and then probably within the next three to four, you're going to see them come back down to a more reasonable level. Mark my words. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But you're you're dealing with a lot of... FOMO right now. I feel as though a lot of these people that are spending three, four, five hundred dollars on a Funko Pop, thinking that they're probably going to be able to sell it for six, seven hundred in two months, are going to be left with egg on their face. And in three to four months, they're going to be looking to recoup that loss.
6: Yeah,
1: I mean, I can see that, and I I don't want to buy at the top of the bubble. You know, right. I'm not going to jump in. As the prices are on the upswing, but uh, there is definitely a point where I need to hopefully catch a a, a wave crash on it. You know, I, I I come back in four months. Keep an eye on them.
0: Don't look at them again for another three to four months, and then I uh, re-, re reevaluate.
1: Well, I need to keep an eye on it because what happens if somebody puts one up in an auction that ends at like. 4 a.m., and I'm the only one that's able to stay up all night and watch it, because I'm watching well, New Japan.
0: <laughs> no, that's true. Um, well, that's between you and the New Japan gods, you know?
1: Yeah. Alright, well, I just wanted to kind of get your opinion on it. And I knew you would uh, eventually give me an unbiased opinion. Right. I say, wait. Three to four months, you'll probably see the prices
0: start to come down at a more manageable level. Right now, it's a hot figure, like I said, a piece of plastic. It's a figure. A
1: piece of plastic. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, uh, wait three, four months. Let's come back to this. All right. But I will own it at some
1: point, but you will just, you know, let's not, you don't need to own it today. (laughs) Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got. Like I said, two purchases, then a a quick discussion. Perfect.
0: That's the way I like it. So, Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to episode 245 of at odds with wrestling. We didn't even really plug the LVAC show. Not that it matters because the show is sold out. Um, we will see everyone there uh, next weekend. But in the meantime, for Adam, this is Joe saying: Be safe out there. Wear a mask with the smog if you're in a smog, smoke affected area, and enjoy some wrestling.